May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. This morning we find ourselves continuing in the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. We've been spending a few weeks in the sermon, Jesus' first public teaching, sort of the summation of what he is going to say while here on this earth. Two weeks ago we heard the beginning of this sermon, the Beatitudes. Last week we heard that we are salt and that we're light. And this week, we find ourselves in the midst of what could perhaps be called a difficult teaching in the least. It's a challenging text to preach on, yes. It's challenging here at Concord, but I remember sort of very vividly the panic that arose in me at Groton School when this text came up. I had all this image in my head of named high school students missing ears and eyes and hands and walking around campus and saying, Rob told us to tear out our eyes and cut off our hands. Thankfully, that didn't happen. So I guess if there's a little caveat to this morning's service, if there's only one thing you come away, please don't cut off your hands or gouge out your eyes. There are so many ways that we read and understand the scriptures. So many different approaches that we can take to them. Some people like the literal approach, where they sort of take things at face value. Perhaps they would read this passage and say, well, if you keep sinning, you should name yourself. But this type of approach leaves me wanting more. I feel like it can be sort of robotic or like a computer reading a text, seeing only one dimension. We, as people, and the words that we use are so multi-layered. There's meaning to be found in the depths underneath the best teachings, or we can think of the best writings, or novels, or art is layered and complex and requires thinking to understand what's going on. Is there meaning to be found on the surface? Sure. But there's also so much more. On the other end of the spectrum, I heard many sermons on difficult texts where preachers say something like, well, that's not what really Jesus meant to say. What he really meant to say was blah, 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 blah. And I also find this approach leaves a lot to be desired because there must be something in between. Will we take these teachings seriously? Will we try to understand what they meant at that time and you understand what they mean for us? I think that's where we find ourselves this morning. And to begin our understanding and meaning making of what Jesus is saying, it's important to recognize the work that he's engaged in. He's preaching. He's preaching a sermon. Now, preaching is a form of speech, a form of speech that attempts to affect change through persuasion through emotional language, to trying to get people to feel something, to be part of the moment. It's different from conversational speech when we're just 
talking to each other and saying things back and forth. It's different from technical speech, sort of the language you would get from a manual. It's a speech that's meant to change hearts and minds. Now, preaching this kind of speech uses rhetoric to a great degree in Jesus, as we see in our lesson today, uses rhetoric masterfully. One use that he, one rhetorical device that he uses is hyperbole, sort of exaggeration. What we just read, if your right eye causes you to sin, to tear it out. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Hyperbole, this exaggeration to make a point, is a traditional tool of rhetoric. And what Jesus is employing here. I mean, if Jesus were speaking literally, we would have accounts of early Christians who chopped off their hands and gouged out their eyes and probably, you know, want to make it sacred and create liturgies around it and prayers around it. But we don't have that. There is no sacred naming in our tradition. So what Jesus is doing is speaking in hyperbole to capture his audience's attention. It's a way of saying, look, pay attention, this is serious. The use of rhetoric in his preaching form of speech is important to understand what Jesus is doing in this gospel. So often we just take it at face value we don't recognize the beauty and the depth of what's going on in these words. At the end of our gospel reading last week, it actually belongs with this gospel. And we, we hear Jesus saying, Don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And that's how we interpret this morning's scriptures. These words immediately precede Jesus' teachings we hear this morning, and that's exactly what he's trying to achieve, fulfilling the law. What he does is he takes a law that everybody is sort of familiar with and then pushes us past a shallow interpretation to hear what's really important, to hear and understand what's behind the word. Jesus begins with, you shall not murder, one of the Ten Commandments. And to be frankly frank with you, this isn't really a great moral guideline. I mean, probably none of us in this room will ever have the opportunity to murder somebody or even feel that desire to murder somebody. I mean, this is the most basic thing that it requires to be a moral person, is don't kill someone. So Jesus pushes us back. He takes this simple rule and says it's not enough. And he looks behind the law to examine what's at the root. And Jesus argues that not murdering, yeah, that's fine, we can do that, but really this is about anger. But it's not sufficient to abstain from the most egregious of offenses on this scale. But to truly live in right relationship with God, we must abstain from the vice that is behind this traditional law. 
this is fulfilling the law. The cultivation of a life that goes beyond a list of do's and don'ts to see what's really at the heart of the matter. Jesus is pushing against the temptation to boil down the moral life to a picky set of rules and suggesting that it is more than that. More than performing holy actions or abstaining from heinous actions, it's about being a holy person. Because if we are holy people, then holy actions will naturally fall and flow out of who we are. We are people of God. What we do will naturally be of God. If we are a person of non-anger or a peacemaker, as Jesus said at the beginning of this sermon in the Beatitudes, then murder will never follow. If we cultivate peacemaking within ourselves, but that temptation will never be present. To me, I hear reminiscence of Aristotle and his teachings. Maybe you took a class on ethics in college or high school and spent a little bit of time on virtue ethics, where Aristotle argues it's not necessarily about what we do, but about who we are. And if we care and cultivate about who we are, then our actions will naturally be moral. The idea that our moral efforts should be spent in cultivating the self, becoming a virtuous person, rather than creating a list of do's and don'ts, and that's what I hear in Jesus' words this morning. I believe this is what he's trying to accomplish here in the Sermon on the Mount as he fulfills the law. He's urging us to reconsider what it means to be holy people in right relationship with God and each other. Thinking that following a list of rules makes us moral is an impoverished idea of morality. Jesus is urging his audience and us today to consider what the deeper truth behind these rules are. He's trying to get us to think, to not just take things at face value, but to ask ourselves, what's really at stake here? To ask ourselves, how are we fulfilling the law in the everydayness of our lives? To ask ourselves, how do we not just follow a list of rules, but cultivate the things we hold sacred to become sacred people? We have to remember that all of this is one sermon, and each part is related to the others, and the Beatitudes is related to the fulfillment and law of the law. And so it's just as much about the Beatitudes as it is about traditional laws. It's about growing meekness within us so we do not fall into arrogance and act in ways that hurt others. It's ever-increasing our hunger and our thirst for righteousness so we always seek God first. It's striving to be merciful in all situations, acting with kindness no matter whether it's deserving or not so we don't 
act vindictively or in jealousy. It's inhabiting peacemaking so that anger doesn't find purchase within us and we don't lash out at those around us. It's encouraging a pureness of heart so that we always see with holy eyes and act with holy hands and feel with holy hearts. My friends, Jesus this morning is saying, Be holy be the people we were created to be, becoming more and more like the one in whose image we're created. Not through following a list of rules, but becoming more and more like God each and every day of our lives.